This is Yarning With Our Mob from Positive Partnerships. Parents, carers and service providers, stories and challenges about autism in Indigenous communities. Today, talking with Billy and Cliff, who are parents, Sherelle, who's the CEO of North Coast Aboriginal Corporation for Community Health, and Maria Watson-Trudgett, team leader for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families and community programs for Positive Partnership. I'm Kane Atwano, and I'm the facilitator, and we'll talk to you very soon. custodians of the land was on um, Wadi Wadi country. It's part of the Ewan Nation, which um, runs from, uh, the Ewan Nation runs from La Perouse down to um, the Victorian border or just over in, in as far as Braidwood. Um, we're in Wandi Wandandian land and I'd just like to acknowledge um, our true custodians, um, past, present and future. Thanks, thanks for that, brother. Thank you. Uh, sis, uh, Cheryl, if I can call you sis, and acknowledge where you where you're from, where you where you're sitting, and your mom, and whatever you like, really, it's up to you. <laughs> okay. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Cheryl. I'm representing the Sunshine Coast and Gympie region today. Deadly. So that's the um, Kabi Kabi or Gubby Gubby nation that I'm sitting on. And my mob are from Rocky, the Durrumbul people, and also South Sea Islanders. So pay my uh, respects and acknowledge my mob from both South Sea, Durrumbul up at Rockhampton, and also to everyone here today. Thank you for allowing me to join this opportunity. Thanks for that, sis. Thank you. And Maria, you've had your, you want to say again? Yeah, hi. I'm Maria, Maria Watson Trudgett, and I'm uh, here in representation of Positive Partnerships today. And I am an Aboriginal woman of the Wiradjuri mob in New South Wales. But I live now on the uh, Yagra people's land here in Queensland. And I want to acknowledge all of the traditional owners across the lands where we are all on today, and having this meeting and having this yarn, pay my respects to their elders past, present, and to their up and coming leaders. Thank you for that, uh, sister. And, and look, and thank you for that, everybody. And can I just say, and it's a privilege to do this. I, I'm a I'm a Miriam man. I'm a Miriam man from Zenath Kess, which is Torres Strait. Torres Strait is obviously the the colonised uh, language uh, that we have uh, undertaken. But Zenath Kess is is our language name, and that's more a contemporary term, which has come up because we wanted to create in the Torres Strait a traditional sense of who we are, where we come from, because people may know Torres is a Spanish. He's named after the Spanish uh, captain who came across the seas, uh, like a lot of uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, explorers and uh, people around the world, the colonisers. So I'm from there, I'm from Murray Island, I'm from Mur. Um, that's where Uncle Koiki Mabo, he's my uncle and we're, we're neighbours. Uh, in villages, at least. Um, so I, I truly respectfully acknowledge Aboriginal country, Aboriginal land, always was, always will be. Um, part of my DNA with Uncle Koiki, obviously, uh, we acknowledge the First Nations across this country. And where you are sitting, I sincerely also uh, acknowledge your custodians of that country who have been keepers of, 
of, of our stories. The oldest storytellers in the world are in this continent. And I tell people that uh, one of the strengths, one of the strengths, because we're always told about how disadvantaged Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are. Disadvantaged. But I like to flip that. And that's part of the yarn we're having here today. And I like to, you know, just to let people know, this is a yarn, so I want you to get your feelings, your utmost uh, uh, inner thoughts around this because we are working with our children. I say our children because we come from a cultures where it's not your children, it's our children. How do we build strong families? And I suppose that's the, that's the, uh, the conversation here today is what are the strengths, what's the strong What's the strong of our families to, so that we, we at, uh, well, not we, I'm working for people, um, I'm, working for, <laughs> I'm working for this organisation to see how the best we can, we can help our families be strong and develop that resilience. And positive partnerships are putting together some resources that's available, but we're also keen to talk to people like you, Mob who can feed us that information so that we know if we're on the right track and we want to get stronger because we need to build stronger, healthier, resilient families. And kids, you know, children with special needs, kids, you know, kids, families in general. So it's this valuable time of yours. We're keen to find out what what your contributions or what your thoughts are. How do we build stronger families so that we can build resources to also support our families. So uh, um, I'm going to go back to you, Mob, uh, to see. Yeah, just just in terms of that, because just, well, I'll just stop talking now, um, because the, the government says that we're disadvantaged. I say we are advantaged, because on mainland, we, we have the, the, the longest living, surviving culture, peoples on the planet. And yet they call Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people disadvantaged. I want to flip that. So I want to hear from stories from you in terms of your life, but also in terms of where you are, in terms of uh, your, your roles as parents or a community leader, in terms of how, how do we build strong families and how we can put that into some resources to help our families. So I'm going to go with, uh, can I go, who am I going to go with first? Who wants to go first for a yarn? Cheryl, you look interested. Does anyone want to ever go first? No one does. <laughs> All right. Well, how about because um, I can share both personal and um, professional. Maybe I'll go professional first. Is that okay? Perfect. I'll talk a little bit about our organisation that might get us starting about you know what's out there, especially here on the Sunshine Coast and. Um, Cliff and Billy might be able to talk a bit about what goes on down there because New South Wales is totally different to Queensland with your um, with the health services down there and probably different up your way too, um, can it up there too as well. So, um, so acting CEO at North Coast Aboriginal Corporation for Community Health. I would I will just say North Coast from here on in because it's too bloody long to say every time. <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> so um, we've been around for quite a while. Um, the organisation started back in 1997. It means um, we're sort of the front line um, for allied health, GP services, chronic disease, child health, um, mums and bubs, so that's more child and maternal health as well. We do tackling Indigenous smoking. Um, 
but with us, we're not. So um, down your way, Billy and Cliff, you've probably got an Aboriginal medical service where it's a clinic. Um, we don't, we're a little bit different up here. We do brokerage, which means we work with a lot of the mainstream services already out there in community. Um, with our mob, we, with the Sunshine Coast in Gympie, there's about 7,000 square kilometres and traffic's really, uh, not traffic, um, transport's really um, disjointed and um, there's not much um, of it here. Um, so between where we are and, say, Tinkam Bay, about three hours' drive, so it's too far for anyone to come down just for a, um, a visit or a consult with the doctor. About 73 general practices and then those that we work with. And then for the allied health and for the other, specifically around child services, we've got probably about five or six specific services we work with with autism and with other special needs for, for children with developmental issues, but also got over 100 allied health providers that we work with. So that could be for children OTs, which is occupational therapists. And for us, when it comes to family connection and what's culturally appropriate for me may not be the same for anyone here on, you know, with, on this uh, platform we're on today. With us, that's a choice. So I might go somewhere if, if I don't connect with their mob or that doctor or that service provider and I don't like them and they're not giving me what I want, I can go see someone else to do that. So that's how we are a little bit different. But we also have a child health worker that works one-on-one with families such as yourself or with uh, with schools or with other providers. And what she does is she actually is a, like a conduit. So she's a referral pathway or a case manager where she'll actually work with the family and make sure that they're getting all the services and the, the care that they need in relation to, to their child or their children or their family and making sure that that continuum of care is followed all the way through. And that could include between private, public, community organisation, government agencies. So that's sort of where, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good overview, I think, of what we can do in this space and what we're currently doing. I don't know, um, do you guys sort of have something similar down where you yeah. are? Or? Different agencies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, we've got a, a small medical centre. Um, they do drug, alcohol, they do referrals for everything like that. Yeah. Um, men's groups, women's groups, um, We've got another, um, it's mainly for the, um, the female side of thing, Waminda. Yeah. They, they're massive. They're growing each week. Um, they've got over 100 staff and all that. But um, in the Narrabomadere surrounding areas, you know, there's a lot of um, services, but, you know, yeah, yeah there's, there needs to be more of them. And because there's, you know, uh, more uh, clients wanting to join or, you know, their resources are probably stretched too. They're taking on more cast, um, you know, um, clients, yeah. and not really, you know, giving them the full because oh, you know, I've got to kind of get them out the door, and the next one's coming in. Mm. Yeah, so that'll be the downside of that. Do you have like a uh, where's your closest public hospital and stuff for where you are? Oh, we're yeah. probably about two, three k's away from where we are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's another issue, isn't it? <laughs> Sitting up there five, six hours. You're yeah. talking about yeah, the, so. the services um, that you both either offer or go to, and there, there are some challenges, as we've heard. Do you, do you, um, do you, are you, sir, are you with, it, with your daughter, um, is, do you have the services close that you need for her, for her support? Yeah, she has speech and OT and physio, but we, if we, we will leave early hours in the morning. If she needs that service, we will go there. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a, we'll, that's what we'll do. She's an optometrist, a long one, which is about a bit over an hour. Yeah. That's, we want to be, well, everyone wants the best for their child. So, 
How do you find, is that, are they mainstream services that you're going to and do they have like um, hospital liaison officers if you've got to go to the hospital or do you find that those um, services are culturally appropriate when they, are they welcoming? Do they make you feel comfortable and stuff like that? Really. I thought uh, optometrist was nice. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Nice. But um, yeah, as for a liaison officer, um, well, for lack of a better word, up the hospitals, we don't have one. We don't have yeah, okay. Yeah. They have quite a few up our way here, but when you go to the cities like Brisbane and stuff, they have them down there, but I don't think that they let them know when you're coming in, especially when you're at the side of that area. Yeah. And now when they go down to the city, yeah. it's so big and it's um it's it's very um intimidating for them because they don't know what they're doing in, you know, a new country for them. It's um it's quite scary and when you don't have that support in there, yeah. you, they don't want to go back because they don't know what's happening or what's you know, they don't have anyone in there that they can actually connect with and Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, just just on that, that there was some good great conversation there. Um, one of the, and you said it earlier, uh, sort of talking about their journey. Now, we talked about family connections, and so there's two things there, family and connections. Um, because I, I think there's a real strength in that, and like um, in terms of you you sort of, are you like when you, when you do, when you, you know, taking care of your, your children there, uh, is there any other people around you that you can tap into that can support, you know, support or have a yarn to, to get sort of other folks sort of, you know, just have a yarn and get support to maybe even just some advice of referrals or how best, how better to do things or more efficient? Because I think like Cheryl's saying, um, you know, you can have the pr programs and, and treat uh, services up here but how can the community, as a community, come together to possibly assist families? So any thoughts on that in terms of the connections? How can we, like as a resource, I suppose, like a resource to, you know, make it more aware to people outside the spectrum, you know, with kids, kids with yeah. on the spectrum. So what are your thoughts um, on that sort of support? I find our main support I get from Facebook groups, but I also, because our daughter attends a special school, I talk to the other parents while we're waiting to pick them up and we talk about the different diagnoses and doctors and specialists and we basically say, you know, I've been to this one, he's good or he's not good. And so that's the only really thing that we have because even though Cliffy is from here, I'm actually from Queensland, so my family's kind of scattered. But... Um, but we've only just mainly relied on each other and, yeah. Because yeah. I know, because um, I was born and bred in, in the area, so I know a lot of people. They normally um, inquiry uh, grapevine down here, so something's happening, you know, like activities or whatever, you normally get word one way or another. Yeah. But uh, people on Facebook, I'd say Facebook could be the biggest um, one because mm -hmm. people shot you a message saying, oh, this is happening at the weekend, if, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actual services and that. Yeah, uh, really, you just got to find your own way and take your hand away from your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mummy. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose a lot of the information is. Um, I, I know a few people. Um, on a personal, you know, like friends and that, that um, I've met through services myself, and you know, just being out in the community, and they normally, you know. Let me know what's happening around town and, and services. Um, yeah. 
and it's, it's all about connections, I think. Yep, the connections. Really, yep. Yeah, that's the bottom line, you know. And, and I think, uh, brother... And don't give up on the connection. You know, you've got to go and see a doctor you don't like him, find another one. You know, it'll, it's a, our journey's all the process, you know, it's just finding what works for individual child, um, children and their families and... Yeah, and I think just just on just what you're saying there, brother, and uh, and Sherelle, back to your point regarding you know your mob, um, and you're right, it is uh, you know those hospitals are intimidating one. Just going in and seeing someone, but it's interesting. It's that family connection. If you know family who've been in there, it's that. And to me, to me, that's coming across as a strength um, of we can have like I like I said earlier the. We can have the the systems, the services up here, but it's about you know, like you're saying, brother. There is that you know, just knowing someone you can talk to, to get that referral, and um, and also so, well, yeah. sister there in the corner, corner I see over there, <laughs> but uh, the uh, what you're saying is interesting. I've I've run another session with uh, three parents, and what we came up, well, what they came up with. They found that connection of the families on the ground, just being able to refer to refer each other's knowledge, to share, to mm. break down the complication. It's about getting the strengths of, like one fa- one family might understand a certain process, the other family another, but together they come up with a, what more information informally. You know, as as a network, it's. At ground level, um, and Sherelle, with your organisation, you like in terms of your you. What do you? What does your organisation do to inform community? If I can just ask that, what sort of uh, yeah process? What, what we do, what we've tended to do in the past is um, we'll actually go out there and um, form relationships with these agencies that work directly with our children with autism and other child developmental issues. And we'll have a, a memorandum of understanding. So that means we put an agreement in place where we're both working towards the same goal, but then it makes them more accountable to say, well, this is what you should be doing with our mob. This is what should be happening. This is, And then part of that is we have, um, how, I'm not sure how old Emily is, um, Billy and Cliff, but we have play groups where we invite families together into one of our um, services um, that offer the um, like autism and child developmental um, services. Um, and um, we'll probably do that once or twice a year where we invite the families in. Exactly what you're saying there is it's time for a yarn. Um, it's time to get together, see what everyone's doing. And it's, it's always nice because they know that they're not going through this alone. Everyone's got their own story and they all have the challenges, but then they come together and talk about it and go, well, exactly what you guys are saying, Billy and Cliff, what you guys are doing, what are you doing? How can we get together to resolve some of these challenges or issues that we're having and to find that information? That information sharing on the ground level with that connection is so important because there's so much out there. It's a bloody minefield. Yeah. You can't possibly keep on top of it all. But, um, you know, the hard thing I find um, is you need someone leading it. And unless you've got someone doing it all the time, because we've all got busy lives, you need yeah. someone to actually coordinate it and lead it. Otherwise, it's sort of, it's really good for a little while. Then it just sort of peters out, like it stops and there's no one sort of guiding it. So um, I don't know if that's something that you guys would, you know, be able to support with. But for families, I think that's really important to have that. Um, support there and someone, yeah, leading these groups for the families that need it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Girls, um, 14 and a half. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, because that's that's another challenge, isn't it? Because she'll be in um, high school and well, you know, in that oh, older yeah. age group yeah. as well. Because um, we find that a lot happens in the primary school or in the lower primary school, but then as they get older, the services um, uh, are not always there at that same level. That's, yeah, yeah. You're dead right. Yes. Yeah, so, what positive partnerships has on offer is um, we on the website. We actually have a lot of free um, online services that are available for anybody. Um, with a child on the autism spectrum or just diverse learning needs uh, as well. Uh, but there are many um, free online modules, just joining, you just you sign up and join and you can uh, do any modules that you like. And any of those modules might be from uh, understanding autism or uh, about uh, how a child socialises and learns um, and behaviour behaviour support templates and things like that they're all free and um, the thing that um, for our, 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 our mobs is there's an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, space where you can uh, click on and go in there and there are a lot of free resources in there and uh, one of those resources as you were speaking earlier Sherelle saying that you know you don't feel so alone when people start sharing and have a conversation and that's what this is about today too you know realizing you're not on your own is the um the voices book so we 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 put a book together um a couple of years ago um collecting voices of aboriginal and torres Strait Islander people and um this is when this is the connection that i have with um Billy and Cliffy today, they were supported and shared their, their journey in that book. So there's a book there that's available for anybody to download and hear other parents' stories and their journey. Uh, we also have some um, animated clips as well and um, many other free resources for, for families. Um, so anybody can get on and, and, and access those. Yeah, and, and, and Cheryl, there was something that, that you wanted to say a while ago. You said you were talking about professional and personal. What's the personal journey? What's uh, not so much autism, just my um, uh, just my journey with um, my youngest daughter. She's only she's only she's six, um, and um, you know she's had some um, ears, nose, and throat stuff going on, and um, speech developmental. Um, problems and you know I, I really feel for Billy and Cliff because I know how hard it is there and being able to coordinate that as parents um, and um, even through the school I'm not sure down there but even through the school at school I didn't even find that much support for me and my child and I've had to actually go out there and do it all myself and even even me working in the health system or the health sector here um, it it's you still have your challenges um, and as a parent, and I feel, you know, you would think we've been within the health sector itself and working in there would be so much easier, but it's actually not. So to me, it's, you know, it's, it's what we're saying. You've got all the, um, the, um, the overarching stuff, but connection on the ground, being able to connect with our mob and, um, and how, how we do that. And it's just, it's very difficult. And for here in our area, because we're so um, large, I guess, in our population, I mean, it's not that big, but we have even... Um, Oh, I, don't, I don't want to say isolation, but um, you have different pockets of pop our population and they don't all tend to come together for some reason. Because, you know, you get your buddy own politics within families and mm. in community and stuff. And unfortunately, <laughs> that, that affects everything. <laughs> eh? And then that buddy yeah. just stuffs everything up and no one wants to work together. But That's we're right. here for like our family and our community and it just makes it so much harder. Uh, I know that's something that, you know, that's 
I've been going on forever and probably keep going on. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just trying to find that, you know, that, that, you, those um, connections that you can connect in with and have that, um, take that journey together and be able to support each other. Um, it's just all these other, yeah, factors that make it so much more difficult, unfortunately. In, in terms of getting that, you know, that grassroots uh, <laughs> support, like getting people like networking at a ground level and like you're saying, Sherelle, you get, you feel, and, and um, Cliffy and Billy, like you, you feel like you're alone, whereas how can, maybe something positive partnerships, the resources, Maria, this could be, and I think Sherelle asked the question, it could be a resource to like get mob, organised mob on the ground because like Cheryl said earlier too, it takes someone to sort of do that. And the reason I'm passionate about this is because that's what my three mums told me uh, last week. They said, we rely on just going and meeting other parents and ad hoc, and then we go and we, if we see a, a, an, an Aboriginal family that needs help, we just go and talk to them and say, well, this is what I know. So you know what I'm saying, Marie? Like it's certainly a resource to, to get the grassroots, to get the people on the ground together, connected so there's some yarning opportunities, and like and like Maria said, everybody, this, this is like this podcast through Zane and the, the platform will actually go out to our mob, and the conversation was around, you know, it's easy for us to sit there and listen, you know, chopping up the veggies for dinner, put that podcast on, and you're hearing like, you know, it's informing. It's the best way to to get our mob together. So Maria, to you, if that's a your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well I, I guess I'm not like a, a, one of the health services or something, but I think there needs to be definitely, um, yeah, organisations or little groups that can come together, support groups, you know, um, in people's individual communities where parents can get together, parents and carers can get together and, and share their stories and have a yarn and, you um, I think it's also good to if you if you come to the table with with something with a resource with something you know um, the m most of the people that are going to be on the podcast um, the series that we're going to be speaking about are people that I've met through connections of whether they've either helped help positive partnerships help share their story put a book together or hold the workshops um, you know with Sherelle service or other services and all the connections I've met so you know, whatever's worked for you and your family and if you could, you know, what strategy you might have put in place for yourself. And if people were having meetings or just yarning circles or just meeting for a coffee or something like that, you know, and just talking to other parents, just sharing. Uh, yeah, so... Do you connect, do you connect those, those people, people like, like when you get your parents in? So Positive Partnership have these workshops or connections. Do you then connect them into like to each other so they can continue yarn because when positive partnership goes the community is there and they're still there they're informed but is there any active way to keep that community connected yarning building that circle of influence of for each other supporting each other um yeah look thanks Kane. and yeah it is tricky because we when positive partnerships goes you've just mentioned yeah I can't go back into that same community again necessarily because um, we are a national program and I have to go to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities um, rural and remote communities right across Australia uh, so 
what I do do is invite, when I hold the workshop, invite key local people um, of the community. Um, so people who are in a support position to help Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families uh, with their children, uh, to, uh, so I invite them to come along. So I invite, you know, uh, service providers or ability linkers or, as I say, people in those support roles. Um, but uh, so what we do have as well is our, um, our resources on, online with positive partnerships. So we have uh, lots of free resources there and we direct people to come back to our website. So we have free webinars, we have free downloadable resources, and these are open to anybody and everybody. And we have multi multicultural areas. We have, uh, you know, for um, indigenous people, we have a mixture of uh, resources and we've got lots of free online learning modules as well. So people can then hop on and learn at their own pace. Um, additionally, of course, at the workshop, um, you know, it's a full information session and we've given lots of resource, free resources as well at the workshop, which um, support that community. So yeah, when we can't come back, it's, it's really about leaving a legacy in the community and um, having the right, inviting me, my responsibility, inviting the right people there that can be the continuing people uh, that can support the Aboriginal community. Yeah, and I um, thinking about that. Uh, sorry, I, I keep going back to uh, those three parents I had recently on another podcast, and that we sort of came up with something that said, because I have have, have uh, you, uh, Cherie, Cheryl, Cliffy, or Billy, have you heard of the uh, the disability education standards from two thousand and five? Yeah, well that. There's been these standards that schools must adhere to since 2005 in terms of children with disabilities. I don't like that word disabilities, but I call it special needs, but certainly around uh, these standards where, yeah, schools have to really, you know, connect with parents and do the whole connection. But no one seems to know. It's been around since 2005. Well. Yeah, 15 years. 15 years. Um, and so the project I was working on, same with positive partnerships, was finding out from parents what's the best way to tell them about this information. And what they came up with was something that they that we sort of they sort of come up with something that says you think nationally about the standard of the edu you know what the what everything means, but then how do we apply that locally? And how does the the, the parents on the ground and the school on the ground? then apply that information and that they basically were saying what um, uh, Cliffy and Billy are saying about they said the best way they've learned is talking to other families uh, who are in you know with special needs kids and also um, with the uh, the people who provide the therapies like the OTs and uh, you know that they were just helpful they don't get any other support but then they're creating this knowledge base and they're thinking about creating an on-the-ground network. I just want to mention a part of Emily's journey. Um, we, we had her in um, a public school. Oh, was it? Um, she was seven. Yeah, she was seven. Um, and um, the first um, day of whatever term, uh, whatever year it was, um, it wasn't long after she got di diagnosed. 
I drove around to not, I pulled her out of school. I didn't send her for the first three days of that year. I can't remember the years, sorry. Um, and I drove around to nine schools trying to get her in because uh, we'd take her to, was it? Yeah, this is, you know, a while ago. Um, yeah, one of us had to go and pick her up at 10 o'clock because she'd be under the teacher's desk or, you know, she just, the noise, everything else going on in the classroom. She had a, um, what do you call a little, uh, like a helper, but the helper was mainly, you know, helping other kids because then we wouldn't knuckle down and do the work. And there was too much noise for her to concentrate. Um, another thing I found with our journey over the time, uh, when paediatrician, we went to a um, psychologist or that one. Psychologist. Psychologist. Yeah. Um, and she basically um, signed off, said that um, she had autism and that. Went back to the paediatrician and said, yeah, yeah, she's got it. And that was it. We didn't get any, um, you know, this is, well, I sound like an old record going on no. about this. But, um, yeah, they should give you a handful of paper. You know, in your journey, you're going to get... Um, you're going to need OT, speech, um, mm. other health problems. We, you know, not to scare parents, but to open all the doors up. What they they could be in for. Yeah. And it's an ongoing journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a for it's a forever ongoing. Because um, I hear a lot of stories. We're doing delivering workshops across Australia um, with parents, and they they say similar things. You know, it's. Um, it is. It's an on, it's an ongoing journey, and you know, it's very challenging, especially in rural um, or remote remote communities, because sometimes services to even get a diagnosis, they don't. They only come in. They fly in once every six weeks or something like that, and then there's this huge lineup to get to see all the children. Then they might not get seen that day, and then it's just put off further, and then. Um, the children, you know, this impacts further on their learning abilities until they get seen. Um, so it's tricky and challenging. And finding the right school as well, that must be a right challenge. You know, uh, <laughs> I've heard many stories of that too, Clippy. Yeah. Where um, the special school is where Emily goes is a, um, a normal one just they're, they're in the one yard together, but they're separate, if you, that makes sense. And um, I just, yeah, just happened to strike the, um, the principal and she must have felt, the, I don't know, the desperation in me voice or something. So, yeah. But it took us six months for um, the public school to release all the paperwork and that. They were just, yeah. I don't know if it was down to the, you know, because Emily was um, Korean, she had... Um, the funding for the Curry Helper as well. Yeah. But yeah, she was um, non-Indigenous a helper anyway, so I don't know where all that falls into it either. Mm. So. Wait, what, so what, what, support, what supports are in place now then? Has she got, does she have somebody at, her, at school that helps her? Um, well, with their classes, there's only six kids in a class and there's two adult, um, two teachers. So that, you know, so basically um, yeah, what three kids to a teacher. So that's, they get that more on one-on-one -on -one with them. Hey, Cliff, just to add on to that, um, you've made some really good points there. What we've done up here is we've actually started doing, because um, it sounds like you had a lot of um, 
stresses along the way there and we've actually started doing pre-prep screening up here because i think it's important to pick up on this stuff before they even get into the system yes. um, and so um Good. twice a year we try and do these pre-prep screenings with one of our child developmental services where they go through and um, go through all those um uh, what, what do you call it? Um, you know, those things that they should have before they go into school and they yeah. pick up on that. And then at that stage, that's when we do the referrals and get all that happening before they actually get into the system. Yeah. And I think that should be something that should be happening everywhere. Uh, and it should be, you know, sort of mandated or something as part of the um, education system to allow that to happen. Because as you said, the amount of time it's taken, even, you know, at the start and then to identify a school or even to take her, that yeah. could be something that could be happening well before she, you know, the kids actually get to that stage. Um, so took her to early intervention and they basically told us, she was about four or five at the time, yeah, they told us she had speech problems and yeah. that was it. And she's on our way. But we kept, we knew there was something else. So we kept pushing and it wasn't until she was seven that she finally got diagnosed. And even then the paediatrician basically said, I'm so sick of school sending me kids to diagnose for autism just because they want funding. And we're like, no, we want to know why, how we can help our child. Yeah. Anything we have to do, we will do it. And yeah. so that's what we did, yeah. And you always trust your gut instinct because similar with my daughter, I knew there was something wrong. And even when I talked to the doctors, I kept taking her back and I said, oh, no, she's all right. And now she's just over a year behind in her learning because I didn't trust my gut instinct back then. I didn't get the support from those health professionals um, where she should have had her operation, getting those services way before. And now we sort of, you know, you get to the stage where you're trying to catch up mm. on everything just to try and get your kids to where they should be at that stage. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very difficult. It's it's hard, very hard. I think as a parent too, you um you've got to kind of throw that you know the space we talk and at this age and the, 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 you know all the little goals along the journeys. I think you've got you know you've got to step back and say right things aren't going to happen the way we want. Let's mm. you know kind of go with the flow with her or the child yeah to to a certain degree you know you know yeah. It's uh, a bit, bit like, like the, uh, the education, the disability <laughs> education standards, where there's that uniform legislation where schools, they, they uh, part of the review they're having is because schools have a mandate to to start listening and start being more proactive, and and that's that's why we need to inform the parents on the ground. These are your rights. These are your children's rights. Yeah. So that. And so empowering parents to, so that you not feel like you're just being pushed aside and being pushed through the, jump through the hoops. Um, and it's about informing people. And I, I like the, not to like the idea, but, um, well, I do like the idea about <laughs> having a sort of like a, a, I'm just thinking about a, a sort of a, a Facebook, and we all sort of use Facebook, a Facebook, but then having people like the, the Aboriginal medical services like your service, Sherelle, or any yeah. service, part of that as well. And then and parents such as uh, Cliffy and Billy with a bit of experience from the journey and the hardships. And, and you know, and, and I know, you know, without meeting you people, I know that you if, if a new parent comes on and says, hey, we're struggling here, we've just come to the area, can I get some advice or some, you know, referrals? I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Cliffy and Billy, you'd, you'd, you'd sort of put in something, oh, this is what you do, this is who you see, 
and to keep and but then people like the AMS is like Sherelle, your mob come and says, "Hey, we've got a pre uh, pre-preparation oh, process." As yeah. well, and then next minute you're getting this movement on the ground, and there's resources there. Um, it's come back to me what I was going to say. You know how um, you, know, you were saying, Cherise, about um, the kids got to try and catch up, and then mm. imagine what they're feeling. Yeah, going trying to all the kids are out there playing because I've still got to finish my page of work. You know, exactly. Yeah, so stressful. It shouldn't be like that, eh? No. They should be out there enjoying themselves, being kids, not having to have this pressure of having to meet a certain standard or a level at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, yeah. um, and why are they playing? And why are they even playing separately? They shouldn't. They should be. The teachers should be learning how to uh, work with the, each child to support them, socialize mm-hmm. with their, uh, you know, the other kids at school. Mm-hmm. Not keeping them separate. What's that? Yeah, that's bullying in a form, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what the teachers are, are they? Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're talking to someone from the um from the Department of Education. Are teachers aware of the certain signs to look for for children that do have um, either autism or other developmental um, issues? I'd be interested in that because sometimes I just put it down to bad behaviour. And then mm. they just write, you know, they just put them somewhere and then write them off without actually having an understanding that, hey, there might be something more going on here. I think that's really important too. Yeah, yeah. we found that with her old school, the deputy principal said to me that um, she can do the work, she just doesn't want to. Yeah. And then as soon as she got diagnosed and funding, her whole attitude changed. And I'm mm. like, oh, I'm taking my daughter away from this school because yeah. you don't have any interest in teaching her. That's right. So, and then we took her and put her in a special needs school. And yeah. she said to us before she left that school, she said, "I feel dumb because yeah. I can't do what the other kids are doing." And yeah. I said, "Not dumb at all. It's just you have to learn at a different pace." And mm-hmm. I said, "Perfectly fine." So yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and this is where the not just um kids with disabilities and that, it's kids in general. They mm. they um. They could be good at maths, no good at English, you know, yeah. things happen like that. Um, yeah, and by the time they get to high school, they're just slowly drifting behind. They get to high school, the kids are moved on, and they're still tagging, you know, straggling behind in their own way. They can't get it. And here we are walking the streets at 15, don't want to work, don't you know, want to drink, want to, whatever they get up to, you know. Yeah. The, the system's failing us. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true because, you know, they talk about all these closing the gap targets and um, school attendance and all that sort of stuff, but they don't understand it's systematic, it's, it's systemic, exactly what you're saying, Cliff, it's, mm. there's the structures aren't in place within yeah. the school system to support our kids along the way before it's too late. I, um, I just left a job this week, actually, at um, it's a local um, well, it Aboriginal base, but there's a huge non-Indigenous indigenous kids in there. Um, I was the bus driver and all the policies and all this, you know, like I was just going, picking them up of more and taking the school. And a lot of the, um, uh, the teachers and that were winded. Oh, why did it take some 10 minutes to get out? I said, wouldn't you rather, we got to get them to school. Don't worry about how long it takes. You know? So I'm willing to sit there 10 minutes. <laughs> but, yeah, they just... So I don't understand. They, yeah. You're fighting everything's against everything. 
I don't know how we're going to fix it. <laughs> and I, I, I suppose uh, you're right, Billy. Uh, uh, there, you know, it's it's how do we support you know parents and whether how how do we support our parents on the ground to keep keep going, keep resilient, keep informed. Mm. Um, that, that's probably the the question. And and um, I, you know, looking at that disability, uh, the the the. Um, the uh, Disability standards in education, you know, that's something that we need to inform, and 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 positive partnerships are, are looking at ways of getting that information out to our schools, um, because schools have to take their part of their their legislative responsibility to support parents and children with special needs, and then and then getting that support in the you know to to keep that to keep you going because like. I think it was um, uh, Cliffy and Billy saying that, and also you, Sherelle, is you know you, you just keep going because it's your kids. Yeah, you, you keep going, but you need some at some point then those supports to come in to just keep. It's like running a marathon race. You're running a marathon. You need a water break, a water table. Just have a drink of water, throw it on your head to keep going for the next you know five kilometers. Because you're, 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 you know, we're mindful of the parents' burnout as well. And yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and also, too, you know, we can lead all these parents to water, but are they really going to drink? Some of them are in denial big time. So ones we've spoken to, over, you know, through our journeys and that. Yeah. Denial of, of, of what? Uh, that their kids have um, a disability. Uh, some milk it too, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just, yeah. Wow. Some people get upset if you, you know, yeah, I think it was you, Bra, saying that um, uh, you had a couple of families went and talked to someone about it. A lot of people probably run you out the door. You know, yeah. Yeah, so it's a fine line. But, oh, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know where the cure is, but, yeah. Yeah. But probably education and... It'd probably come down to the doctors, you know, to have that empathy with their, um, you know, whoever they're diagnosing and that. You know, to give them them pamphlets, you'll probably need this along the way, you know. You know, the other thing too, Cliff, I think is um, sometimes you get stigma attached to things like this. And yeah. that's a whole other thing in itself, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. something that, um, um, that we can manage and we do as families and the children do to some extent, but putting it out there to say this is okay to have a child with with these um, conditions or, you know, these learning difficulties. Yeah. Um, we just need support to help us to do that and to break down those barriers for people thinking that automatically they're just kids that are out there misbehaving and doing this and that when it's not that at all. There's so much more behind it. Our daughter goes to a special school. There's another stigma attached to that. Yeah. We our family who have two children with disabilities and her son really struggled in high school. And I said to her, you know, maybe you should put him in the special school because they have so much more support for him. Mm. And he was totally against it. And it's like that stigma of saying, no, my child has a disability, but he's not going to a special school. And I'm like, well, if that school is going to help my child, then yes. I'll That's true. School. So, yeah. And yeah, that leads on to all that other stuff around bullying and everything else, doesn't it? It's just like, oh, I mean, how many layers have we got here? We could keep going on forever about all the impact that has. It's just yeah. crazy. It's, 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 it's something that's worthwhile talking about, though, and discussing because it's real, isn't it? Yeah. 
And I mean, you might start your journey with your child having autism, but like us, as our journey's gone along, she's got developed other medical issues. So yeah. it's not just the one diagnosis you have to worry about, it's the few other things that have come up throughout when they get older and mm. like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's but, not hard. It's sorry, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of, yeah, when you're talking to other parents about it, they say, oh, yeah, they've got, you know, other medical issues as well. As yeah. See, I don't know. Yeah, that seems to go hand in hand. Not only, like, autism's hard enough, but, yeah. you know, a medical issue on top of that. And, mm. yeah. Now, look, guys, everyone, uh, we're going to have to start closing off shortly. Um, just in some of the, the notes that I've taken, um, uh, just as a summary, looking at um, you know, the, and there there are hurdles, there are hurdles, absolutely, yeah. hurdles, barriers, and just on the behalf of positive partnership, I, my brief is to work, you know, talk to people to find out possible solutions, um, not solutions to the the uh, to the to the issue or the barrier, but certainly to support people just navigate those hurdles. And to yeah. navigate through, and and sort of keep keep the the candle burning because you know it's burnout as well. Plus, but the love of the love of your child or love itself it just pushes you through before you're running on empty. But guess what? You pick yourself up and you keep going because love is such a powerful thing. Um, I, I'm finding that just that connection of I'm going back to the connection at community level, at family level, and I take uh, 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 Cliff and Billy's point. That and, and and Shirelle's as well is the the stigma that comes with that, and there is there's a stigma absolutely. Uh, though the parents who are possibly looking for help, who who need to be supported, it's about living the lived experience of parents already in this uh, in this journey, and how do we support that with the resources from positive partnerships and uh, and um, so Maria from this I'm taking that. You know, looking at what you've, what the resources are there, but also some of the discussion points of connecting families at the local level with an AMS, if you like, and also possibly with the school to have them look into to see the world of what's happening for families at a principal level um, and buying in because of those kids. So that's sort of my summary. What, Maria, do you want to say something? Um, yeah, I, I'd just like to. Um Second, what I've said about um, positive partnerships, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of support resources for, for parents and the resources that we have available are there for everybody to support additional uh, supports as well. And, and, as you know, anyone can get on and have a look at those, um, even if they're, uh, you know, non-Indigenously uh, or, a, you know, in a, that cultural lens or perspective, um, they're still available and they're still a really supportive resource for, you know, for everybody. Um, developing more and more resources all the time. So we do have our Aboriginal Trust Islander resources. We have um, resources for um, multicultural families as well in different, trying to develop different languages. So just always trying to draw people back to have a look at what we have that's available. And it's not always just reading either. It's stuff you can download, print off jump on and join in a module and learn at your own pace um, and, and things like that or listen listen to uh, web, uh, webinars that have been 
recorded, that if, uh, they were live, but then now they're recorded, they're available as well. And I just think, um, I, I just think, and I think you, Billy and uh, Cliffy and Sherelle, you'll second this. I just think it's if if the doctor or the teacher or someone says, oh, you know, oh, they're just bad, or they, the child's just bad, or oh, they oh, there's nothing wrong with them, or whatever, and you think there's something different. I just think stand up for your ch child, like you do, you know, stand up for them and support them because you know no one else is. It's if you're not going to. Mm. And it's about connecting people. We've got to connect our mob nationally and so that because culturally we're, you know, this will be my summary wrap-up unless any other person. Uh, I'm getting a wonder oh, from my... Yep, Sherelle, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, um, um, Billy and Cliff, do you have nurse navigators down there? Because I think that's really important too to think about the public system and how can we form those relationships with them to make sure that we've got the nurse navigators who, who are long-term and work with our families for the duration um, that they should be linking in with because we have that up here and we have a partnership with them because so many places are short-term, but these nurse navigators that are in the hospitals are actually long-term and should be working with our families and our children. Well, well. Yeah. Another discussion, another day. Yeah, yeah we've got a lot of resources down here. Oh, like, you know, uh, what do you call them? Other resources. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what a um, services. Sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah, a lot. Of, yeah, because they're overworked and you know, I guess underpaid. I don't know. Yeah, they and their books just keep filling up and filling up. You know, we just need more services and more one-on-one -on -one stuff with family instead of rushing everyone out the door. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they even set up a little um, hub in in town, just a shop front, call in, have a cup of tea, and just yeah. Yeah. Like a drop-in. Uh, they're the community drop-in. Uh, yeah. It's those connections again, connections. Yeah. Yeah. Connections. I think that's that's the strong point of, of this discussion is, uh, you know, we're going to have those barriers and hurdles and it's the connections that we we as people, part of our DNA, to to overcome, um, you know, the barriers and obstacles. Yeah. So, look, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of the time and, I, look, I'm, and thank you very much, uh, everybody, for your time today. I'm actually going to do a bit of a, a bit of a summary in terms of my my notes. I'll send that to Marie, and Marie can send it to to you all. And I'll also include in there the disability education standards links as well. It's important that we we spread that, and your your principals should know about it because there's a there's a real push in terms of education sectors getting to know this. Um, so on the behalf of Maria, Maria, I'm gonna we're gonna have we're gonna sign off. And uh, look, lovely meeting you all, Cliffy, Billy, wow. and Sherelle, where yeah. your country there, and uh, you know, you, I've been to down that your way. I've been to Nara, and I've, I've been up to Nambo, and uh, I've been very, very beautiful parts of the world. And I don't know where you are, Maria, but I'm sure your beautiful world there too. <laughs> but uh, certainly from from um, Zane and myself. Uh, you know, thank you for participating and uh, look forward to yarning with you soon. And, and like I said, I'll send something out, uh, some information out as well to Maria to then pass on to you all. And I really appreciate it. It's a privilege to yarn with you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank I haven't asked too yeah. for listening to our story. Thank you very much. Bye now. This has been Yarning with Our Mob, a podcast with positive partnerships. If you would like to explore any of the resources Positive Partnerships offer, you can check out the show notes or the website positivepartnerships.com.au.